0: May be seated at this time. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. Right, you guys are awake today. That's pretty good. Well, my name is Phil. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, you know, if this is your first time here, I just want to say welcome to you. Uh, so many uh, familiar faces as well. So welcome. Today is a, a day of celebration. And, uh, you know, I'm especially excited today because, um, you know, today we get to talk about a topic that's very close to my heart, and that's the, the uh, topic or the subject of worship. And uh, we're, we got a, just a two-week kind of mini-series that we're going to be in uh, this Sunday and next Sunday just talking about worship. And uh, you know, this morning, I will kind of open us up with uh, just explaining what worship is, kind of where this comes from, and some of that history that's attached to that. And then next week, Pastor Toby will continue uh, with, with this topic and kind of really help us learn how we can, you know, completely worship God with our life. Because uh, we all know that today, that Sunday, this is like a celebration Sunday, right? We we are with the lord all other six days and then this is the seventh day we come and celebrate together corporately um so we're worshiping all the time right well let's uh, open up this time in prayer if you'll join me um we say lord lord god we thank you for today This Sunday, each of us comes here having different types of weeks. Some of us had kind of normal, maybe just we would consider just uh, uneventful, maybe even boring weeks. Others may have had just really challenging weeks. And others yet may have had the most exciting week that we've ever had. And we all come together as, as one family, as one body this morning to to go through your word and to, to learn what we can about you. But we know we can't do that on our own, so we say, Holy Spirit, would you fill this place with your presence? Lord, we invite you, open up our eyes so that as we read your word, it would speak to our hearts and not just our minds. Lord, it's our desire that we would be able to worship you in spirit and truth, and that our worship would be something that pleases you. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, for me, this Sunday is uh, another one of those uh, joyous Sundays. Uh, I was just thinking right now, um, you know, I, my wife has been away for her work for the last I don't know five days. So today she comes home, and uh, the kids are happy uh, because uh, we ran out of frozen food last night, and uh, uh, so that's a that's a good thing. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, We can always use your prayers during this season, as our family is just especially busy. Uh, But it's still, you know, it's it's such a great joy. Um, There's so much that's been going on uh, in our own personal lives as well as the life of the church. So, uh, anyways, worship. You know, worship is something that really is always happening, right? It's always happening. It's not something that we just do on church in Sunday, but it's something that is continually happening. Uh, what is worship? Um, you know, worship comes from this... The word that we have, worship, comes from an old English word. You can see it up there. It's uh, kind of worth-sip or worth-ship. And this is is really... It's what we give worth to, what we say is worth something, what is worthy. And not just like it's a valuable thing, but it's worthy of our our praise, it's worthy of our time, it's worthy of our service, right? That is what we worship. And we were made to worship. And believe me, every day of our lives, we are worshiping. The question is are we worshiping God? Or are we worshiping something else? Are we worshiping our, our career? Are we worshiping our our family? Are we worshiping uh, you know, what, something like a car or a house or you know these different things we're always worshiping something because we were made to worship in the Old Testament. We find that anytime the, uh, the word worship is used, it's, it is usually or when we read worship, the original word there is, is usually a uh, shaha which is actually, it describes this posture, right? It describes this posture of of bowing down. Someone, you can imagine someone worshiping on the ground. They're just bowed down. In the New Testament, we have the Greek word uh, proskuneo, which is, it, it means, it's kind of a description of like, kiss the hand of the master. And that comes from this imagery of, you can imagine a dog, as you reach down to feed it or something, it's going to lick up your hands, right? It's kind of that posture. It's this low Humbling posture that we're bowing down to our master, and um, and that's where we get this this word of of worship. Nowadays we have different thoughts, right? We think a worship is usually the uh, the the music, uh, because that's worship music, right? It's music that we can express. What we say is valuable, who we say is is valuable to us. And and in our context, we we express, hey, Lord, we love you. You know, we need you You and we're willing to stand up for you because of what you've done for us. And so these days, you know, I think it's it's and I'm I'm guilty of this as well, because it just has become kind of that descriptor. It's just oh, worship. What are we talking about? The, The music. Um, so we need days like this when we're reminded that worship is way beyond just the music, right? I I, um, I can't even remember who now. It's been a few years, but I was watching this thing and and there's a comedian. He was talking about worship, and um, I don't mean to offend anybody, but but you know we all I kind of fit in these categories. So, you know, he had something he was describing. You know, the ways that we worship, and he had like the hand pocket person. They're just rocking, you had, you know, people that are, uh, that are like uh, rock the baby, they're just kind of worshiping like this, you know, you have some people, that are, they're really into it, they get like the full touchdown worship, and, you know, there's all these different types of, of ways that we worship, right, or these postures we can go in, but this original description of worship is always this, it's a very humble posture, it's saying, wow, Lord, you are great, you are great, I can't even stand before you. I'm going to fall down, and I need to fall down and worship. If you're a note-taker, I've got a few points for you. So the first one, uh, number one, and you could write this down or take a picture. Number one is we worship what we believe is worthy of our sacrifice, service, and praise. So we just talked about worship. It's giving worth to something. And you can see that by that description, we're always worshiping something. Number two is worship is a response. It's a response. Now, true worship should be kind of the sequence that we have revelation. God reveals to us who he is. Okay, So we have revelation, and then revelation, it is evokes this response, so I have revelation and then response, so we learn, we know we see God, his goodness, his mercy, his grace, we see that we experience that we learn about God, we experience his his goodness, and then in turn we respond, we worship right so worship is a response, and true worship is always a response that's brought about by the revelation of God, or who God is. I love the picture that, that we see in, in Revelation. In Revelation 4, we see this glimpse that, that John is caught up in this vision or this dream, and he, he sees the throne room. And Revelation 4 uh, is just this amazing portion of the scripture. You should read it. It, it. it describes the throne room and just how amazing it is. And then there's these creatures. Okay, there's these creatures next to the, you know, in the throne room, and they have eyes all over them. And I was like, whoa, that's kind of crazy. Can you imagine creatures with eyes all over them, right? And you're like, whoa, you know, this is where a lot of people, they say, oh, book Revelation, it's a little too much for me. You know, I just, you know, I just know we win, right? All right, good, I'll leave it at that. But Revelation is just an amazing book, right? You really should do a study on it. But this portion talks about these animals with all these eyes. And I imagine that as they are looking upon God in the throne, right, then they see this revelation of who God is, and they have to worship. They have to worship. And so these creatures, they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And it says they continue this over and over and over and over again forever. And what happens is that after those creatures proclaim that, then there's these 24 elders that bow down and they've received these crowns of glory and they lay down their crowns at the feet. And they also begin to proclaim about just how awesome God is. And this pattern just keeps repeating itself. And the amazing thing that, that you know I, I think about is that these creatures that have all these eyes to see, and they're in the throne room in genuine worship, is that I just picture every time they look upon the throne and they see God, they see something fresh, they see something new, and they're just, whoa, God. And so they they proclaim again, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And this just continues, this worship. And that's how I imagine that you know our worship should be. That it's really this genuine response. That as we look upon the Lord, as we see God's glory, then we say, wow, God, you're worthy of our praise. That we have to respond and we say, Holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord God Almighty. It was and is and is to come. Well, as we look into this topic of worship, you know, it's only right that, that we uh, look at the beginning of the Bible. We'll start at the beginning and then today, you know, we've already touched on Revelation. We'll end in Revelation at the, at the very end. In fact, you have a scripture in your bulletin from Revelation 22. But Genesis if you're not familiar with the book of genesis genesis we get the uh kind of origin stories and when we see how god created the heavens and the earth and then he uh created man and we see that in genesis 2 that that adam he has this job that he is to he was placed in the garden to tend it to oversee it to manage and then he is alone though and so god you Give some of these animals. And, and I just imagine, I mean, that's a pretty cool job, right? That the God brings him animals and Adam names them. And that's what he was doing. You know, I, I think he loved his job, right? He woke up. He has all this, you know, food to eat, whatever he needs. He's hanging out with God. God brings him something. And he's like, yeah, all right. Um, dog, cool. You know, hey, frog. You know, hey, giraffe. Well, let's just name these animals, right? That's his job. And then we see that, that you know, God gives him a partner, a wife in Eve. And then man and woman, they sin, and they're removed from the garden. They're banished from the garden. And, and the sin in their life changes things, right? It separates them from God. And so now they have this new uh, kind of existence outside of the garden, and they have to work hard. You know, life is not easy. Life is not as God intended it anymore, and there's struggle. And in Genesis 4, if you want to turn with me there in your, your Bibles or uh, your electronic Bibles, uh, then you know we're going to be in Genesis 4 for a little while. Now, Genesis 4, it says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man or created, made, given birth. I, I got this man now. And, and with the help of the Lord, I've done this. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Some fun thoughts are, uh, you know, when we read through the Bible, we, we often see this kind of order that, like we saw there, it says she conceived and she bore Cain, right? And then next, it just says she bore his brother Abel. Uh, this is the same kind of thing as we see with Jacob and Esau, who we know were twins, right? We get more description in that account later. Uh, but when we see individual births, we usually see the firstborn was, you, you know, conceived and then born, conceived and then born, conceived and then born. So, the, you know, we have a, a good, um, you know, it's, it's a, a good uh, assumption to, to make here that even though it doesn't say that they were twins, that they were probably twins, so we have Cain and Abel, and they they come out, and Cain is the oldest. Uh, but a- anyhow, these two brothers are this kind of first generation that's mentioned in the Bible, right? And so we have Cain, and Cain, his name is is, is sounds um, actually like that that word of of you know she's gotten something, she has acquired something, and uh, that's what his name is. Is hey she has. Like she says, I've gotten this man, right? you know, with the help of the Lord, I I've, I've, have received this man, I've made this man, and that's Cain. You know, he, is, he is acquired, possessed, like he is something that is um, solid and held. right? And then next, the brother, Abel, or Habel, it means breath or vapor. If you look up the word or the name, sometimes you'll also see it described as nothingness or vanity um, now this this comes from the same kind of word, spelled a little bit different in Hebrew, but the main thing is it is it used as a noun or a verb. Okay, but anyhow, the name is kind of an interesting look at you know what these guys were or, or how they they kind of were. And so Abel, this breath or vapor, uh, and his brother Cain. Verse two continues. It says, "Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground." Cain was the firstborn. He took the same job that his father had. Uh, his father, Adam, after being banished from the garden, he is working the ground. He's growing co- crops or at least harvesting them, right? And uh, Abel takes on the job, the other job that we saw Adam had in the garden, and that was to, to lord over the animals. And so you have Abel who, from the beginning, he's a shepherd, right? Right? I think it's interesting that even from the very beginning that that we had shepherds and sheep. And, you know, I think sheep were probably the first, you know, fully domesticated animals, right? I mean, all the way back here. And if you think about it, what we know about sheep today is that these sheep, these domesticated sheep, there's no way they can survive on their own in the wild. They cannot survive without a shepherd. Anyhow, anyhow, that, that is, you know, these two brothers, and they have these two jobs, these positions that they're taking over. Verse 3, we'll continue on. It says, In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry. And his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you or against you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother, Abel, and killed him. Here we see the first murder in history. What is it over? Worship, <laughs> right? We opened hearing that worship is a response. It's revelation that leads to this response. And I think that there is no doubt that Cain and Abel grew up here. Hearing the stories from their parents, hearing about what it was like in the garden, right? Hearing about how and, and who and how wonderful God is. And, you know, I mean, what else did they have to talk about, right? This, this first family, you know, they, they couldn't sit around the table. They couldn't argue about politics, talk about how LeBron's doing with the Lakers or, you know, how great the potluck was at church. You know, they're just talking about like their existence, What they know. And what do we know about our parents, about older people than us? What do they like to talk about? The good old days, right? Back in my day, and I'm just playing, but it's it's actually pretty true. I mean, if you hang out with anybody that's a little older than you, you're going to hear some amazing stories about how things were, right? Miles in the snow for school, you know, five-cent ice cream cones, Uh, And and it's scary to me because although I joke about this, you know, my my daughter's looking at me. And and I do the same thing. I mean, my kids will never know what it was like before the Internet, right? I remember when we were going to take a trip somewhere, we had to wait in line at AAA to get a map to that place that we were going. We had to wait in line to get a map. Now it's all on your phone, right? I remember being shocked when gas prices went above a dollar. And I was, like, upset. I don't even know why. I wasn't buying it, but I, I was upset, you know. And so we know that. I, I think we know that, that Cain and Abel, they learned about the Lord from their parents. They had this understanding. And furthermore, we know they had a relationship with God because we see that they're talking to the Lord. Right? So think about this. Cain and Abel's offering to God was a, resp- a, a response to what they knew about God. The revelation or revealing to them of who God is. God did not command them. He did not say, hey, you guys will worship me. I demand these things, you know, on the first day of this month. No. There was none of that. Their offering to him, what they brought to him, it was not a repayment for their sins either. This offering, the, the word described for the offering is is minha uh, or mincha. It's It's not the same word as like a blood sacrifice. It's actually a bloodless sacrifice. It's an offering. And um, so, you know, it's an interesting thought because it could have been like, just like it's also a word used for like a tribute, like something that's just brought to the king that is given. And I really think that this is a response that as they know God, they think, man, I need to give back to the Lord. I need to respond to him. I need to give to him in thanks for who he is and for how he is taking care of me. And so they bring this offering to the Lord. And yet here in this first, this early story of worship, some say this is the first mention of an act of worship to the Lord. That we see that as humans, we have this tendency, we have this danger to mess up revelation to response and instead take response or we give response in order to receive a reward. This is false worship. We give a response in order to receive a reward. We worship because we want God to look on us in favor. We want other people to look at us and say, hey, they're worshiping. All right, they're okay, right? You know, we, we, we do these things because it makes us feel good, right? We feel emotionally moved. We say, you know, I'm going to worship you, God. I'm here, but I got I got needs too, and you're going to meet these requests that I have, right? We bargain with him. We say, I'm going to do this thing, but then you're going to give me this thing, right? True worship is always a response to revelation. And what we see in this passage is we see that, that Abel gave his best. He truly gave out of his thankfulness to God, an honest response. His act of worship was like this Wow, God, you're my Lord. You're so good. And because of that, I want to give you, it says, out of his first. And it describes it as the fat portions is the best of this herd. He says, I'm going to take, you know, my best because that's how much I'm thankful. That's how much I love you. You know, we're coming up on Christmas time, right? Some of you guys are looking forward to next week because all the, the Black Friday sales and, you know, all that stuff. And we start thinking about, about presents. One of my relatives said, hey, we already finished all our Christmas shopping. I said, man, that's crazy. I haven't even narrowed down all the presents that I need to buy for people, right? And when, we think of, when I think about Christmas presents, it's like you have some people that you're so excited to shop for. At least, well, I can only speak for myself, right? And you, you take your time, and you pick out this perfect gift, and you're excited because you're like, man, I think they're going to like this. And we're just so excited to give them this gift and see how they respond to it, right? We, we care so much about that. And then there's other people that, uh, I don't know, maybe your office has a party or something, and you're like, oh, man, I don't want to get them anything, but I got to get something because, you know, it's just right to do, or you feel like oh, I should give them something, or I need to, or, oh, they gave me something last year, so I get something, right? And so you're thinking, like, yeah, at least, I, again, I'm, I only speak for myself. Uh, none of you guys, of course, none of you guys, but I'm rationalized. I'm thinking, oh, what can I give? that it's not going to cost me a lot, it's not going to take too much. It's just, I need to give something. It's a token of appreciation, right? And I kind of see that as like Cain. You know, he's like, man, I, I know I should give something to God, right? He's God, you know, he's the Lord. I know I should give him something, but I don't really want to give him, you know, my best stuff. I mean, he just needs something, right? That that he he's going to be like, all right, cool, good job. You know, good job. Thanks for bringing me this. You know, maybe he knows, hey, A- A- Abel's out there looking for that that good sheep. You know, I got to give him something, too. In whatever the case, it has to do with the heart. And God sees that. He sees right through it, right? It's amazing to me because we see this interaction between God and Cain. And God is even telling Cain, hey, Cain, why are you upset? Why are you upset that I did not look on favor, with favor on your offering? Don't you know that if you do what is right, you know it'll be all good. But if you do what's wrong, then sin is waiting for you. It's like it's waiting to get you. And you're supposed to have control over that sin. But if you do what's wrong, then that sin is going to get you. And and if we continue to read in Genesis, then we see that, that Cain um, you know, he doesn't listen to God and, and he kills his brother Abel, right? Because he's so angry about this act of worship. And then what happens? He's punished. God banishes him. He says, You can no longer work the ground like you used to, and you're you're cast away from, from my presence, from this place, right? Kind of like A- Adam. And Eve, when they sinned, they were also cast away, right? But what does Cain say? His response is not, "Hey, you know what? I'm so sorry, God. I feel so bad that I killed my brother." You know, he's like, "What? This punishment is too much. Are you serious? I'm going to be wandering, and someone's going to kill me, right?" That's what his concern is, right? We see his heart. In John, First John three twelve, we we see this description of Cain. It says. In fact, as a warning, it says, we should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. He was mad that he didn't get rewarded and jealous that his brother did. But I think it's amazing that God still shows him grace. He puts a mark on his head and says, hey, if anybody kills Cain, you know, they're going to receive seven times over. You know, it's going to be really bad for anyone that comes against Cain. And so God has grace, and he gives him this protection still. Worship is what we say is worthy, what we say is most valued, what we're willing to sacrifice our time, energy, money, self for. And worship is revelation and response. Now, number three, worship that God desires is action that comes from a genuine response of the heart. It's not just action, and it's not just good intentions. It's both. It's action from the heart, right? or with the heart. In Matthew 15, verse 7 through 8, we see Jesus. He's interacting with the Pharisees, and they're kind of challenging him. They're going back and forth. And Jesus, he, he criticizes them by quoting Scripture from Isaiah. He tells the Pharisees, hey, you guys are a bunch of hypocrites. And you know what? Isaiah talked about you. Right? And Isaiah twenty nine thirteen is the, the passage that he references. And I think this is just, this is just, man, if Jesus said this against these people, I can't imagine him saying that to, to myself. I mean, he says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. But their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based merely uh, based on merely human rules they have been taught. You know, he's saying they say all the right things. They're even doing these things that they've learned that they should do. But their hearts are far from me. Right? Their hearts are far from me. Today, in closing, you can turn to Revelation 22. It's the last book of the Bible, or the yeah, Revelation, the last book of the Bible. And at the end, chapter 22, John is, is writing about what he's seeing, what he's experiencing. And as he's seen, you know, he's been shown this new heaven, this new earth, and this is our, our final place that, that we're going to be at. This is our destination. And, and it says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and the night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. This is the angel and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now John is speaking here, and he says, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. John sees this vision of 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 heaven, of or not heaven, of the new earth, our final home, and and he's just floored. He's just amazed. He's man, this is amazing, right? And he bows down. He he has to respond, right? He receives his revelation. He has to respond, and his response is just like every place that we see in the Bible when people are face-to-face with God or even face-to-face with the angel. They're just so overwhelmed with the glory that they bow down. They worship. They fall down, right? And the angel says, no, 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 don't worship me. Don't worship me. Worship God. Sometimes we get caught up as we see the beauty of the world, as we see the beauty of God's creation. We get misled. We know we need to respond. And yet we begin to bow down. We worship the feet of the created instead of the creator. Right? We worship things. We worship people. We get a little misled. And if we do that, we know that you know we're setting ourselves up for trouble, just like Cain. This week for your weekly challenge, you know, I encourage you to to go to the beginning, to to read Genesis 1 to 4. Consider who God is. Look at the story of Cain and Abel. You know, ask yourself who you worship or who your worship is most similar to. You know, do you, and, and I think this is a daily thing, you know, this is a daily struggle. Sometimes I feel like, man, I identify with Cain. I feel I'm doing things because I feel like I ought to do them. You know, I should do them. My heart's not really in it. And in other times, I feel like, man, I'm right there with Abel. I'm like, man, God, I want to give you my best. I I, want to give you it all. You know, I want to give you the best that I have. That's what you deserve, right? Ask yourself who your worship is most similar to, Cain or Abel. Uh, The grow piece, you know, draw near to God. Come before him. Confess anything you need to confess encourage you to pray that god will show you how you can respond to him in true worship consider you know what does it look like for me to respond to who god is and then overflow as we come into this season this holiday season i think you'll find there's going to be a lot of opportunities right people are going to be more open to to kind of interaction and so you know this holiday season how uh, how might you be able to respond to God's love for you by sharing love with someone else? Maybe it is giving them a little present. Maybe it's uh, you know act of kindness to a stranger. You know, whatever it is, how can you respond in action? Because that's worship. And next week, you know, Pastor Toby will go more into that of, of what does that look like for us to, to be worshiping, you know, all the time in spirit and in truth. That, that really being people that our lives are in response to who God is, because that's what we're called to do. We're called to live our lives as a response to who God is. We're called to be worshipers. Right. And that's how we were made. Would you join me in prayer? And team, you guys can come up again. Lord this morning I I just I I need to thank you because um, you know I feel that there's so many times where where I you know I identify with Cain that, that I I mess up. And yet with Cain, you know, even in his wickedness that that you showed him mercy, that there was consequences to his sin, but you showed him your love, you showed him your mercy. And still protected him. And even more, Lord God, as, as we look at, at your son Jesus, and we know that you know there's there's no more sin, there's that, that holds us accountable, there's no more shame, Lord God. That yeah, we can still fall short, we can still mess up, and there's consequences to those things. But when we stand before you, that if we're believers, if we have accepted you as Lord and Savior, that we stand before you with confidence that we've been redeemed, that we are your children. Yes, Lord. Lord, I thank you for your grace and your mercy on my life, and I ask that you will continue to to speak to us uh, throughout this day and into this week, that we would consider how we can live our lives, how we can live our lives uh, in worship of you each and every day. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.